Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, this week we got Jay Haas on the podcast. We've been trying for a while to get him on. I've been texting him, saw him in Richmond a few months ago at the Champions Tour event, and the timing was perfect. I texted him the Monday morning after, of course, his big run with uh, his son Bill Haas, making the cut, the oldest player in tour history to do that. So we get into everything, everything you could ask about uh, with their experience together. And also, too, like what has he learned from the game over the years, right? Arnold Palmer, so many people he's gotten to know. So we get into friendships and also some tips for our game as well. Really, really good tips. Coming from a 68-year-old Jay Haas here from the PGA Tour Champions. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy it here on Beyond the Clubhouse. Please be joined by my next guest, Jay Haas. This guy knows the PGA Tour as well as anybody out there, and he just played with his son in the Zurich Classic. His son, Bill, could have picked anybody to be on his team, anybody in the whole wide world, and he picked his dad, Jay. Uh, who knows? Maybe it was paying you back for the President's Cup pick in 2015. Who knows? <laughs> but anyway, Jay, how are you doing uh, today? I'm doing great uh, here in Houston, Texas, for a Champions Tour event this week. And, you know, I kept trying to talk Bill out of it. I said, look, don't waste a week on me. We can play at any time. But he said, no, nah. he said, that's great. And uh, he was looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. The closer it got, uh, the more excited I got. I was nervous to, to perform for him. Uh, to play well enough to warrant him uh, having me out there. And, when, and we just didn't want to be a sideshow. You know, he wanted to compete. Any golfer, I think, would be in the same position wanting to uh, to show their best. And uh, I, I wouldn't say I did quite that, but uh, good enough. And we again, the whole week was a blast. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You talk about, about your son, Bill, and how did that come about? How did the conversation come about where he approached you and said, hey, Dad, I want you to, to be on my team, basically. This is not a great year for his rankings, and, and this is a big move by him. Right. You know, probably the end of January, early part of February, he mentioned to me, uh, what would you think about playing with me in New Orleans? And, uh, you know, I had never even thought of it. You know, I was kind of wondering who he might play with because – you know, you get a hot partner. You just never know what can happen there. And, you know, he's used his uh, lifetime uh, money winnings, top 50 money winnings this year for his exempt status. And it's only a one-time deal. So, you know, he's played pretty well. Uh, he's been fairly consistent, but he hasn't had those uh, three or four good weeks that you really need to get, uh, get the big FedEx points and things like that. So, uh, you know, that was what I was concerned about. You know, again, I didn't want him to waste a week on me, but, you know, it was uh, it was an experience of a lifetime. You know, I've had some wonderful things happen to me in the game of golf and playing tournament golf for 40 plus years. Uh, but this is uh, right up there with them just to be walked the same fairways. You know, I've watched him play quite a bit in the past few years, but to be out there with him and to watch him under pressure uh, and for me to tee it up with him, it's just nothing like it. It was uh, it was a grand week. 
Well, you being a part of teeing up with him and, and having that putt, you had to make it to make the cut. What does that feel like as dad, Jay? You know, we had a little bit of a cushion with about four or five holes to go. We had a nice look at a birdie putt on 13, didn't make it. And then uh, I missed a putt about five or six feet at 14 for par. And all of a sudden it got a little dicey. And then Bill made a great putt at 16 for par, about seven feet. He had a great shot at 16, kind of got a bad break, went in the water. We ended up making the bogey there. So now we come to the last hole and, you know, we saw the leaderboard. We pretty much knew we needed minus eight to make the cut. And I hit a terrible third shot. Uh, the pin was in the back right, the water, the wind. I mean, I'm, I know what's going on and pulled an eight iron, I think 45 feet or something like that. And I'm just praying that he rolls that thing up there. <laughs> You know, I could just walk up and tap it in, but sure enough, it was probably four, four and a half feet. Wind blowing left to right. Uh, you know, my hands were shaking and somehow, somehow the hole gotten in the way. And I felt like uh, I'd just run a marathon right then. But, you know, he said, man, I apologize for leaving you that putt. The other guys we were playing with, Charlie Hoffman and Nick Watney, they had big smiles on their face. So it was, uh, you know, again, a moment I won't forget. And I'm just glad that I didn't let him down at that time when I needed it most. Yeah, that was that was a cool a cool thing. Now, listen, you've got so many colleagues. You've mentioned over 40 years of pro golf. So what kind of text messages did you get during the week or maybe even after that putt from some of your guys on the Champs Tour? Yeah, I got uh, I got a congrats from Bernhard, uh, Billy Andrade, Fred Couples, uh, you know, a lot of my buddies, Owen Brown, uh, you know, they uh, they thought it was very cool. Even going into the week beforehand, I, I, Owen and I texted a little bit back and forth and, you know, he's got a son that's trying to play now, too. So I think he gets it and knows how how neat it was for me. And it's just, uh, you know, very special. My brother, Jerry, uh, all my family, they were, they were so pumped up. And, uh, but it's fun to, to see that uh, our peers notice things like that. And it, it, was, uh, it, it was quite a thrill. And, you know, got a lot of attaboys and way to go pops and all that stuff. So it was, uh, you know, again, a week I'll never forget. I love that. Way to go, Pops. Was there a specific text that pumped you up the most? And, wow, this is real. This was, this was cool. Uh, you know, I, I think just the, the, the group of them, uh, you know, must have had 40 or 50 on Friday evening <laughs> after we made the cut. So it was, uh, it was great that a lot of people were watching and noticing and, you know, they, I get credit for being the oldest to make the cut, but I don't know if it's really official. Uh, you know, Sam made it on his own. Uh, I think he made it three times a year. He was in his 67th year so you know I have a partner who played great and so I don't know if I can uh, really take credit for it kind of an asterisk I guess besides that but it was uh, it, it's better than missing a cut I know that yeah well we'll think about the symmetry you mentioned Mr. Sneed you played in, in a tournament where he, that he had played in and then now you're there kind of right on his record I mean how does that feel I mean not to make you feel old but how does that no. feel Jay no one has to make me feel old. I, I feel it all the time, every day. But, you know, I play, I got the chance to play a lot with Sam, uh, Bob Golby, my uncle, uh, and he were fast friends and they played a lot of practice rounds together. Uh, Bob probably played two or three years sparingly on the PGA Tour when I was first coming out. So a lot of practice rounds. I'd, I'd say I probably played uh, 
15 to 20 rounds with Sam and he could still go. Obviously then he was, I was jealous of him, you know, he's in his mid to late sixties and we were playing, he could still pop it out there as far as me or farther uh, side saddle putting. He could still do it. And, you know, I just observed, he didn't give me a lot of advice. Uh, you know, I think that uh, the old pros, they kind of know that all of us want to do it our, our way. And, you know, Bob might've said, uh, you know, what do you think about Jay? Things like that. But yeah, it was uh, to get to play with him, uh, Arnold, Jack, Lee, Gary, uh, you know, all the greats of the game from the past. Uh, It's been an unbelievable career and winding down, but a lot of unbelievable memories. Right. Well, all those names you mentioned, and I'm thinking about your uncle Bob Golby who passed away recently, but so many great stories. Everyone I texted who you know asked me to ask you a great Bob Golby story because there's so many of them. Um, but what comes to mind when you think about, about Uncle Bob? Oh, gosh. Again, there's so many. Uh, <laughs> a lot of maybe can't tell over the airways. But, you know, it, Bob was my biggest fan. He, from the get-go, uh, he put a club in my hand when I was five years old, uh, taught me the game, the fundamentals, uh, how to be a pro though, too. I think that's a, a big part of it. You know, how to act, uh, how to carry yourself, things like that. But he was always saying, you can do this. I've seen players, I've seen them come and go. Uh, you have what it takes. And so he was always pumping me up and I always thought I could do it mostly because of him. And, you know, you know, playing as a junior, you have some good success, things like that. But until you step up in class, weight class, so to speak, and, uh, play against the best you just never know for sure but again he was always in my corner always uh there with advice but you know swing advice but also uh, attitude and and things like that and and watch the best players I, w- I remember him saying that watch gene littler uh watch jack watch arnold you know and how they carry themselves again how to, how to be a pro uh that was uh, probably what i'll take most uh from Bob, but, uh, oh, there's some great stories. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he missed the master's dinner. Uh, he passed away before this year's master's dinner. It was always, uh, his favorite time of the year. I believe to put that green coat on 1968, a long time ago, 50 plus years ago, but he was, uh, he was so proud to wear that coat, to walk around the locker room, to, to hang with all the great players, uh, that week in April and, you know, it was sad that he wasn't there this year, but uh, it was, uh, you know, a great time of the year. Always, Masters is always my favorite event, Just kind of the start of the major season, things like that. Right. Yeah, but every time it rolls around, I think Bob. You know, it's so funny, Jay. We, we, we've had a few interviews over the years. We met in 2011 in San Francisco, end of the year, Charles Schwab Cup. But I remember talking to you now, it just jogged my memory at the Masters in 2015. I want to say you were walking with your son. Your son, Bill, was playing. Right. And you mentioned it. It's, the, it's one of the most special weeks of the year. So how does it feel knowing your uncle had won that event and he was probably there that week? And watching your son play in that event, it's the symmetry of it all. How, how does all that feel for you, Jay? Yeah, that was, uh, it, again, it was always a special week when I could pencil that in. At the <laughs> top 24 back then, you got in the next year, win a tournament. Uh, however you could get into that event or I could get into that event, uh, it was very special to know I was going to be there that year. And We would play practice rounds. 
my brother Jerry and I and Bob played one year, Jerry from the uh, USAM semifinalists. Then fast forward to, to Bill and me traipsing around watching him play. You know, it, it, I had many forearms in my chest over the years <laughs> watching Bill play. You can't go there, sir. I'm sorry, you can't go there. You know, after being inside the ropes, I just thought I could walk anywhere I wanted. So uh, had so many of my uh, family members would just laugh at me when I'd get uh, accosted by the marshals there. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, uh, pretty incredible. I played there a couple holes with Bob, I want to say 1971, 72, somewhere in there, uh, watching him at a practice round on a Saturday before the tournament, he had missed a cut at Greensboro. I was there looking at Wake Forest and uh, rode down to Augusta with him. We played late on a Saturday afternoon and he hit me, let me hit a few shots, which of course he wasn't supposed to do. But uh, I remember hitting it on the seven or the 12th green with a seven iron. He said, someday, boy, you're going to you're going to want that shot. And he was right, too. Uh, but so, I, gosh, that is just uh, it seems like 100 years ago and, and, and yesterday at the same time. But it's uh, again, uh, what a what a great week and a great week for him. When he won, I didn't really understand what it meant for him to be the master champion uh, until I got there and played and wanted so badly uh, to win that event and get into that champion's locker room with him and then hopefully uh, bill can someday too but uh, just uh, a lot of great great memories there right well it's interesting I, when you looked up to bob uh, you know in your younger years and then i would imagine your son bill looking up to you as he decided okay am i going to become a pro yes i am going to become a pro I, I don't know if it was at a specific moment but do you remember kind of giving him counsel on that first time okay bill you're going to do this we'll let we'll let, let's help you out in this way. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if there was one specific time, but he says that when he came to the <laughs> 95 Ryder Cup uh, and he was 13 years old at the time and he saw the excitement, the USA, USA chance, <laughs> uh, you know, me in the competition and everything. And he says that right then, that he wanted to do that. He decided that he wanted to be out there and be a professional golfer. You know, he was starting to get pretty good at the time. And, and I was a little bit like my uncle Bob with him, you know, I was a big fan and, and told him that he had what it took. Uh, and to, again, to watch the best players, I wasn't real tech. I'm not a technical golfer. I think he's copied that he's not real technical, but I would say uh, in his era, watch Freddie couples, uh, watch Jeff Sloom and watch Davis Love, you know, some of my buddies, some of my contemporaries who yeah. were great players. Uh, you know, I, I tried to get him to uh, do the same, to watch the best and, uh, and take what you liked from those games and make it your own. Right, right. Well, you know what? You've been around this for 40 years, taking what you like and making it your own. I'd love for you to do that for my audience right now. There's four or five topics in the game. Let, let, let's just keep it simple. Start okay. with maybe, maybe chipping or something. What are some tips from Jay Haas, some keys to real good chipping around the greens for us amateurs at home? I think in general, the, the, uh, the amateur golfer, the guy that doesn't get to play, you know, the woman that doesn't get to play, you know, six days a week, they don't use their body enough when they chip. They want to be real stiff armed and real rigid and kind of, as I say, wooden. Uh, you have to have some flexibility and you have to use your body. You have to turn just like it's just a mini 
golf swing. And in the golf swing, you're using your shoulders, you're using your hips, you're using your legs. And I think in chipping, we don't use that enough. So don't be afraid to turn back to the target as you go through. Your hips should almost finish to the target. Don't be afraid to use that rather than just your hands and your wrists. Uh, you have to use your whole body. Don't be afraid to turn. Right. Well, now does turn come into play a little bit with bunker play too? Like what would be, I guess, a couple of the foundational things you would preach for bunker play? Yeah, I think so. A little bit of the same thing. Not so much just arms. You sure certainly want to use your whole body. Bunker play, there might be a couple of differences. You really don't want to have much side-to-side movement in golf, in a, in a bunker shot. You don't, certainly you won't, don't want to move off the ball back because it's so hard to get back down right to where you want to enter the sand. Staying level is a very good key there, too. A lot of people, I believe, dip down, making sure that they hit behind the ball and then they hit fat, hit too much sand, and the ball doesn't come out. So if you can stay level, I like to think about my chin on a, on a tabletop, say, and just keeping my chin level through the shot. You know, in practice, and that's the key, practice the shot. You know, don't be afraid to go in the bunker and hit a few blades and, and a fat one. <laughs> a lot of people don't get a chance to do that. They want to get out there with the driver and just take big old swings. But don't be afraid to go in there and, and experiment a little bit but staying level and don't move back on the ball, kind of keep your weight on your left side. Probably two simple, simple keys that would help you in the bunker. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about like, you got to actually practice some of these shots. So even like a, a lag putt, a 40, 50 foot lag putt, which we're probably going to have on our very first hole. And then we're going to three putt and then have the worst round of our life. Uh, right. you know, what would be your advice to, to really get dialed in with lag putting? I know we can practice on the putting green, but what would be the best, the best tips? Right. And I see I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. You know, <laughs> dropping the ball six or eight feet from the hole and putting those putts. I don't think we put enough practice uh, three footers or 60 footers. Uh, so I, I would say, you know, in, in casual rounds, there's so many. Oh, that's good. We'll kick it back, kick it back. <laughs> and then you get to a tournament and you have to put that three footer. And you're thinking, oh, my God, I've never I haven't putted one of these lately. You know, everybody <laughs> gives me these. So. That's one thing, but also the 60 footers. Don't be afraid to putt across the putting green. If you get an opportunity, if your putting green's big enough, uh, take a couple long putts and just try to get the proper speed each day uh, and putt with your eyes is what I say. Don't be so concerned with your stroke and how uh, beautiful it is or straight back, straight through. And even uh, putt looking at the hole a lot of times too. You know, not many games – uh, our target is not looked at, you know, we don't, uh, in, in baseball, you don't look at the goal, the baseball in your hand and get ready to throw it in basketball. You look at the goal, right. you don't look at the ball. So, uh, in golf, that's a little bit different, you know, our eyes on the ball and keep your head down all that, but don't be afraid to hit some putts looking at the hole just to try to get the speed. You're not going to whiff the putt, uh, but try that in practice uh, and, and put some long ones because, we lose a lot of strokes three putting because our lag putting is not very good. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about target, right? You know, it's important to be able to look at the target sometimes too. And when you visualize it, makes you think of visualization driving as you, as you're hitting your driver on a really important club in all of our bag for you over the years, what, what is a good fundamental as you kind of stand on that first tee with your driver? You know, I've always said that balance is a great key in golf. Uh, keeping your bounce, trying not to hit so hard, 
trying not to lift the ball in the air. Most people, when we look down at the face of a driver, it looks very straight. How do we get the ball in the air? Now we're on a tee, but at the same time, our instinct is to lay back, help the ball in the air, and that usually causes a miss hit, hitting behind it, a high fade, something like that. So uh, if you can stay on the level there, hit down and through the ball, I know a lot of people say, I want to hit up on it to get overspin. You can't really have overspin on a ball or else it's going to be a top shot. So a ball needs a little bit of backspin, but staying on the level, uh, moving to your front side through the ball uh, and having good balance, I think. Work on balance as we're uh, hitting practice shots before the round. Too many of us rush to the first tee and just (laughs) drop down two and about number seven, you go, boy, I'm finally loose here. If you get an opportunity to hit balls before your round, you know, don't be too concerned with how far they're going. Again, good balance, hitting the club face squarely. That's a, that's a real key in driving the ball. Yeah, no, it's important to get the keys and fundamentals down. And, and you had mentioned earlier, too, a three-footer sometimes under pressure. You're going to have that you know, once the gun goes off. Dealing with pressure. What are good ways for amateur weekend golfers to really deal with the pressure when, you know, you've got a result in mind, you want to break 80 and you got a chance, you know? Right. It's hard to treat every shot the same and every (laughs) round the same. But if you can get to the 15th, 16th, 17th hole and you're on your 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 own record pace, uh, try to stay within yourself and believe in yourself and just think. Uh, it's good to be nervous. I've always said, I don't care what league you're playing in. It's good to be nervous because your adrenaline's pumping, your focus is better. You can hit the ball farther than you're usually going to hit it and, and trust what you're doing. If you do get a chance to practice, you know, in your mind's eye, put yourself on the practice tee and think about some of those good shots that you've hit and not the bad ones. I I've always said you can talk yourself into a good shot and you can also talk yourself into a bad one. So Try to think positive. Uh, believe you're going to hit a good one. I love these these nuggets of wisdom, man. This is 40 years of real good stuff. Jay, you, you, there's been so many good people you've talked to over the years, pros older than you. Is there a, a standout quote or two that really comes to mind, when it, whether it's from a mentor from, from back in the day or even you know recently your, your pals on the Champs Tour? What, what's a real go-to piece of advice you've gotten? You know, I, I can – uh, hardly think of, of there's so many uh, that I've gotten advice from Hale's been a great mentor uh, of course my uncle Bob uh, Jack and Arnold and some of the greats just listening to just some of the their their comments and conversation not so much of instruction but just how they approach things and how they looked at life but I recently I read a great uh, a, a great comment I thought it was uh, regardless of whether you think you can or think you can't, you're probably right. Now think about that one. I like that. So and that's my thing about talking yourself into a good shot rather than talking yourself out of a good one. But uh, believe that you can. And I think that's as, uh, in anything, in any, uh, certainly in golf, but in any walk of life, believe that you can do it. Right. Belief is so important. And listen, uh, my podcast is called Beyond the Clubhouse. And what that really means, Jay, is the friendships, the lasting friendships we all make from this this game, which you've been a part of and and you've enjoyed so much. What is a friendship or two? And and I know we've touched on a lot so far, but what what are one or two that's like, wow, if not for golf, I wouldn't have known this guy or, or, or this person wouldn't have had the influence in my career. Boy, it's hard to single out uh, (laughs) any one person, but 
yeah, you know, being around Arnold Palmer, uh, you know, being a friend of Bob's and I played a good many practice rounds with him as well. Uh, Curtis Strange, a teammate of mine at Wake Forest, uh, we still talk on the phone quite a bit, played a bunch of practice rounds on the PGA Tour. Uh, Freddie Couples, a great friend. And, and just thinking that, uh, you know, Freddie used to spend some time at our house a, a long time ago when he was first out. And, you know, he saw Bill and Jay Jr. and our three girls when they were just babies. And so uh, a lot of uh, water under the bridge, as they say, and it's, uh, you know, still staying in touch with all these people today is a pretty cool thing. I've met so many great people, uh, not necessarily professional golfers, but just so many people through golf have been very blessed. What's a, a favorite moment on a golf course with Freddie Couples? Or you mentioned Arnold. Maybe maybe one comes to mind with Arnold. Yeah, you know, uh, with Freddie uh, being uh, his assistant captain for three times <laughs> in the President's Cup, and then him being my assistant in 2015 when we went to South Korea and won. Bill won the last point. Uh, you, know, you know, a lot of those times. But we've had some laughs over the years going to dinner and things like that. Arnold, uh, you know, I played with Arnold my first Masters round in 1976. I was at Wake Forest. Arnold, of course, the most famous Wake graduate. <laughs> and, you know, being there with him, that first Masters, and he was the man. He always was the man. But in 76, he was still a favorite to win the tournament. So the crowds were thick. And I recall probably hitting 20 or 30 drivers on the practice tee before I got to the first tee thinking, okay, here I'm at number one. I didn't want to hit it in the press tent. I didn't want to hit the trees. I didn't want to pop it up. I didn't know where, where the heck this might go. And I, I somehow hit a really good drive down the first hole, but it was, uh, you know, so, so cool. We played practice round at Troon. I remember and he won there one year and he had tip Anderson on the bag and, he would get to every hole. He goes, Tip, did we hit driver here? And he goes, oh, no, Mr. Palmer, you hit two iron off this tee. You know, so <laughs> Arnold in his mind was thinking he dreamt for every green. And Tip was telling him, no, we, we played a little smarter than that. So it was just uh, very cool to be around the greats of the game and never, never forget them. I'm glad you brought up Troon. One of my favorite, most passionate things in golf is St. Andrews, the Open Championship, obviously related there. And, and to you, what is a favorite moment or, or what would be your advice to fans uh, that go out to the Open and, and how special it is when it's at St. Andrews? We played there in the Walker Cup, 1975, and Curtis was on that team. Jerry Pate, Gary Cope, George Burns. Uh, it, it was a Craig Stadler was on that team, Bill Campbell, Vinnie Giles, uh, a bunch of, of greats of the game uh, were on that team. And somehow I made it and I hit a two iron off of the road on the road hole. My second shot almost drove it into the hotel and it somehow stayed in bounds. I was one up in my singles match uh, going to the 17th hole and I knocked it on the green from I little did I know it was one of the hardest shots in the game. <laughs> I knocked it on the green and I made this putt for birdie to win the match two and one. So that's something that, I, you know, again, I don't know how many years ago that was 60 years ago, <laughs> but it was uh, it, something I'll never forget. I do remember we drove up, we came to the airport, got in a bus and we drove up just to ride around there. And they said, where are you playing? And I said, well, we're playing at uh, the Walker cup. Oh, that's great. I said, where's the course? And they said, well, there it is right there. It looked Brown. And I'm thinking, no, no, we're playing the Walker cup at the St. Andrews. I laddie, that's it right there. So oh, wow. it was, it was not what I'd ever seen before. Everything 
was uh, not green like it usually is in the States, but uh, what a great golf course and what a great place uh, to hold the Open Championship. I played there a couple times in the Open, never played very well, but uh, never forget that first time there. Oh, you got to. Yeah, that's a special thing. And listen, as we wrap up here, you, you mentioned Curtis Strange, you mentioned Fred Couples and Bernhard earlier. So many friends on the Champions Tour. What is that camaraderie really like with, with you guys? It's, it's a special thing. Not many other sports have this kind of brotherhood, but also you get a chance to beat each other uh, up each week. So what is that like? Well, you know, there are not many other sports last as long as this has lasted. You know, most <laughs> most of the sports, you football, you're done at 30 baseball 35 uh foot you know, you know basketball same thing so to be playing still at our 60s there's a lot of memories that have been created through the years and it's just you know we've all had some successes through the years some more than others but uh the things that i'll i will miss when i stop playing uh kind of funny but the rain delays when y'all sit around the locker room and start telling stories and one story leads to another story and lots of laughs and <laughs> You can't really remember too many specific rounds or uh, shots that you hit, maybe some that helped win the tournament, but uh, just being with the guys and laughing, uh, the, that camaraderie, when everybody kind of relaxes a little bit, there's nothing like that, and I will miss that uh, very dearly when, when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely. I apologize. We live right by a fire station here in Fairfax, Virginia. So that, that that's the fire truck going. My apologies. <laughs> but no, I, I love that. And the camaraderie, the rain delays. That's that's so good. Here's the thing. I, I got a, a tweet from James Hibbett on Twitter it says, does Jay have aspirations to break Mark Brooks's PGA Tour appearance record? That's a question for you. What do you think? Well, <laughs> Uh, he has about five or six more than I have. So I don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, it's funny that we mentioned the open championship and prior to, I'm not sure exactly when it was somewhere in the late eighties, nineties, uh, somewhere in there. Prior to that, the open championship was not considered an official start. If you won, obviously it was an official win, but you didn't get an official start. So I'm, I'm over, I've had five of those that were, that are not counted, but I'm sure Mark has a couple as well. So, uh, no, I don't have plans to. I think uh, I'm at $7.99 and holding, which is just fine with me. Yeah. Well, I know you called it an asterisk earlier, the cut streak. But you know what? Still, it was something you shared with Bill and you guys, you got it done. And, and the cut streak, it, it is a real deal in some ways. And so how do you how do you feel about it? It was uh, again, it was just so much fun to get to play an extra two rounds with Bill and, and again, to feel like I was a part of it, to, to feel like I was a worthy partner for him. Uh, there was, uh, you know, a cut. Hey, half the field doesn't make it. So it was <laughs> nice to, uh, to have a starting time on Saturday morning. I think as a young player, that was an ultimate goal. You know, back in the day when there was only top 60 were exempt and you had to Monday qualify. If you made the cut, you were in the following week. So that is imprinted in my brain. I think that <laughs> you need to make the cut this week to get on to the next week. And so I was, uh, you know, that was my ultimate goal for the week. Obviously, if we played better and I don't think we played our best. I think we left some strokes out there. So uh, we could have maybe, you know, could have, should have, would have. All golfers are like that. I'm sure everybody <laughs> in the field could have saved a few more. But it was uh you know, making the cut was very, very special. And uh, again, something I'll never forget, but just hearing our names called on the first tee, you know, I played with uncle Bob in, in the Disney tournament way back when it was a team event 
when his, again, his last few years and my first few years, we played down there. And so that's a little bit full circle as well. Uh, I always wanted to show him what he taught me and how I'd learned. And, uh, you know, I wanted to play my best for him and to, uh, and to make the cut. And we probably made it one or once or twice, but, uh, and so for Bill, I think he was probably doing the same, trying to, uh, show me what he's learned and, and he did, he's learned a lot and it's, uh, no words to describe it. Yeah. A special thing for both of you guys to be a part of that. And what might this do for your now champions tour rest of this season? Does it give you a shot in the arm? And what do you think? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I'm excited about it. I, you know, I played well, the, the course was about 7,500 yards long. Now we play, <laughs> we don't play 6,000, but we, you know, we're about 7,000 yards usually. And I'm still hitting longer clubs in than a lot of guys, but uh, I must've hit, four hybrid into about seven holes every day down there in new Orleans. So uh, hopefully that won't be the case this week in Houston, but yeah, I feel like I, uh, you know, I played well, been playing better and uh, I don't know when my career's over. I don't want to put a, a finish line out in front of me. I think I'll might just wake up one week and just say, you know what, I've had enough of this, but I've uh, I'm playing well enough to kind of say, you never know. I'm uh, you know, I, it's what I do. It's what golfers do. We play golf, we compete. And that's the thing that fuels us. I think uh, that competition, that's kind of the, the drug that keeps us going, I think. And, you know, I don't, I don't know when the end is. So uh, I'm just going to keep one foot in front of the other right now and, and keep working at it. trying to learn. I learned something last week. So uh and try to do it every week, watch the best players and see what they're doing and try to emulate that. I love that you said that Jeffrey Gittimer, who's a sales uh, genius from New York. He always says that the secret to success now and in life in general is to stay a student every single day. And you've got that down, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I watched uh, Scotty Scheffler win at Augusta. I thought he, he, most of us play with our feet pretty close together on chipping and pitching. His feet are a little bit wider than anybody I've ever seen. And he gets, he pitched and chipped beautifully. And I got to tell you, I've been trying it and it's working pretty good for me. <laughs> so it's just, you're getting more comfortable or what is it? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's just a little different, you know, and I have a little confidence with it. I think it keeps me a little shallower when I, my entry on chipping and uh, not digging so much. And it was pretty good last week. My, my nightmare was hitting a double chip or uh, ch chubbing a chip shot around the greens last week with Bill, and I didn't hit any of those, so it was a good week. Yeah, great stuff, Jay. Enjoyed, uh, had a blast with you here on the podcast, and uh, we look forward to catching with you uh, down the road here. I uh, look forward to it myself. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, big thank you to Jay Haas for coming on the pod this week. This guy, I love his passion for the game. I love that he's still a student. Like he was saying, he's still learning every day, even from the younger players like Scotty Scheffler watching him on the Masters, uh, win the Masters there, and understanding chipping and, and getting a better hand, handle on things like that. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch up soon here on the podcast.